This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. And now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Yes, I am home and I'm ready for another great episode. Welcome to Time Signatures. I'm your host, Jim Irvin. And uh, we are in our second interview, our second portion of our interview with Detroit's Prince of the Blues, Chris Canis. Chris, welcome back. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Glad, Glad to, to have you. There's so much to talk about. I had to do another episode <laughs> with you. Once one is just not enough. One's not enough. No, and and I'm sure that you're going to give me fodder for things that we can come back and do a third. You yep. know. Yep. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got another. I'm sure you got another album coming. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Yep. How, there's, how there's long you thinking? There's plenty of content. Um, I don't know. Um, because we're we're still still cooking with Detroit, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there are a lot of songs. Um, one in particular is like really near and dear to me. Mm. It's a song I wrote for my mom. Um, I wrote it when she was still here with us. Yeah. And. I I remember distinctly. I was like, oh, I was so excited to have her here, and I was like, I want you to hear this song. So I went to her house and got her Takamini, her, her acoustic guitar that she sure. never played because she was like, I don't know how to play this. I was like, just leave it here. I'll play it. And um, so I got her guitar. We were in the kitchen. She was standing at the island making some, like, green tea matcha or something. I don't know what she was doing. but um, So I started playing the song, and I was like, this is your song. And she, she teared up, and her partner teared up, and it was just the three of us in there in wow. that moment. And then she... She was. She just got really sad for some reason because of the the meaning of the song, and and then I when she passed away in 2020, I rewrote the song to change the lyrics a little bit because it was more so like future tense when I wrote it. Right. And now it's like, well, now it happened, so now it's now it's got to be present tense. Yeah. And, um, or past tense. So, so yeah. So I rewrote the song. And was totally unable to play it for a very long time. I can imagine. And uh, I think I played it on her anniversary, her, her birth anniversary, on, I think it was maybe a year ago. A year ago. I played it acoustically because I wrote it acoustically. It's like an acoustic song. And, um, and like, I think you still, Amber, and I think she gets, still gets upset when I play it. Wow. I can, I get to a certain part, and I'll, I'll, I, can, I can say what, what it is. The part is, like, I try to call you every day. But you're not there anymore, and that's the part that hits me hardest, and that's the part that's hardest for me to sing. I feel you, Amber. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm like getting upset thinking about it now. But no, it's, uh, I listen. I mean, you and she I. She was pivotal, like absolutely pivotal in every decision I made, every choice, and yeah. So you and I talked about this. I lost my mom uh, July 28th of last year. Yeah, yeah. I remember and you um, so we've got that tie, right? And and I understand that. Right, yeah. Because you don't know how, well, yeah, you do. How many times I would love to pick up the phone and I've caught myself, I've caught myself and had to say, wait a minute, she's not there. Right. And that, that overwhelming whatever just comes over. I don't know. Yeah. Um, My mom, we used to talk every day. 
Same. And, I'm, and I'm, I don't mean to, to take this down a dark way, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, a testimony mm-hmm. to the love that we have for our moms. Right. Um, I, you know, I grew up in a, in a single parent home. Yep. My dad took off when I was five. Uh, she was my rock. She right, was yeah. everything to me. And so when, when I got older and I was working at General Motors making really good money, there was nothing I wouldn't do for my mom. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Yep. Um, you know, and she, she was a, a wonderful part of my life and got to, got to meet my kids. And, um, you know, I, I regret not being able to be there when she passed, but we, mm-hmm. we talked. And I, I just told her, you know, because I had heard that um, the night before, the nurse walked in and said, are you having trouble sleeping, Mrs. Stein? She goes, yeah. nope, I'm just sitting here talking to Jesus. Mm. And I thought, wow. I mean, I, I worked in hospice for four and a half years yeah. as a hospice aide. Yeah. That was one of the most beautiful transitions I'd ever heard of. And it was my mom. Right. You know? Right. So while we're talking about mom. Yeah, yeah. Talk about, I'm assuming the 67 is, is pointing because that was the year she was born? She, yeah. Okay. Yep. So tell me about your, about your guitar. Um, well, the guitar is, uh, I, I bought that guitar like, right after she passed. And, um, and it was, it was supposed to be just, you know, symbolic. I wasn't going to like use it. I was just going to have it and it would be part of her shrine that I have in my house right now. Sure. And, um, but it just, it didn't feel right to just have it just be there. She wouldn't want me to do that. So instead of because she was on stage with me for literally 25 years like i've seen i actually was able to find some video and i yeah. gotta tell you it's such a cool thing to be oh, able to man. see yeah she was she was a rock star like, yeah like total rock star and was just the sweetest human being like you'd ever meet she was she was awesome and um so i uh i got this guitar and and i always wanted a gibson anyway so i i've been on this long journey of people telling me oh yeah your guitar is crap you have to have a gibson oh yeah that guitar is no good you have to get a gibson and it's like but they don't stay in tune very well you know sometimes so so i you know i've had many guitars and um but this one i was like i'm gonna get a gibson to honor my mom that's that's what i'll do and and i had them i have her ashes in the guitar itself so you actually sent the guitar to gibson they yeah so they yeah they were able to put the ashes in the guitar for me so that I could have mom on, have stage. Mom on stage. That is so times. damn cool. That is so yeah. cool. Yeah. And for, and for people that, you know, I didn't know that story until I saw you down at um, the Dark Horse Brewing Company mm-hmm. when you played down there for the, for the, so the smoke off. Mm-hmm. And somebody had told me about your guitar and I thought, I'm going to ask him, you know, if he, if he yeah. wants to share with me, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's part of me to to talk about things like that because I love honoring family members that are no longer here mm-hmm. and I think that's because of you know the work that I did in hospice and whatnot yeah but I yeah. think it's a it's a cool damn thing yeah because your mom like you said spent so many years on stage with you yep reluctantly at first because <laughs> that first time that first time she because she like I said she would record me at the jams and so this so I was like you know I finally formed a band and, you know, convinced some guys to play with me who, mind you, at Top of the Park last week or two weeks ago, one of those members came back. He had moved to Chicago for 15, 20 years, and then he literally came up to me and was like, hey, do you remember me? And I was like, you look like Kevin. Are you Kevin? He's like, yeah. 
I was like, I used to play with you at the attic in Hamtramck. I was like, yeah, I know. You were my first bass player ever. Like, why did you leave? I wanted to say, but I was like, nah, it's cool. <laughs> He's got kids now. But anyway. So, that is so, so cool. Yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah. And, and, awesome. and that guitar has got such personality. Yeah. And I know that. Um, it's doing weird things. Yeah. It's like it's mm -hmm. it's turning colors. It is turning colors. And, and they can't I've figure looked, out why. No one can tell me why. I've looked it up a million times. Like, because a guitar is made and it's like wood and then paint and then. And sealed. It, and you seal it. Yeah. Right. So it's sealed with nitrocellulose. Who in. I don't know what's going on. I thought it was maybe because I wear so much black or leather or whatever, but it's not turning black. It's like a dark purple. Yes, yes. Which is weird because yes. no one can tell me why it's doing that first because it's like, to me, okay, if, I'm, if it's rubbing off, it should rub the varnish off first, and then it should rub the paint, right. and then there should be wood exposed. But people keep, oh, no, they just they put a black coat on it before they painted it white. It's like, no, they didn't. No, they didn't, because I can see the grain through it. So it's turning like a blackish purple, and I don't know why. And purple's my mom's favorite color. So I just chalk it up to I just gonna the say. guitar is haunted or, wow. or blessed, rather, by her. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. That is so cool. <laughs> well, we've we, my guest is Chris Canis, and um, we are rocking and rolling through our second episode of Time Signatures, and we're glad to have you here. I need to, here. to I need to ask you a couple more questions, though. Let's, let's talk a little bit about your work with Thornetta Davis. Yeah, yeah. And, and Thornetta is, her star is like really on the rise right now because yep. she just won that, that Blues Award down in Memphis. Proud of her. And it's Proud like, of you. after years and years, and I was really, really hoping, I actually watched the news the next day coming out, hoping that Larry caught a break too. Right, right. Because Larry, he I know, should've. I think he should have too. Yeah. You know, of course, John Primer and Buddy Guy and all these others, the big names down there. Um, I think uh, Chris Stone Kingfish, he won, he won an award. I mean, yep. come on. Yeah. Larry deserves it. to me. But, but anyway, let's get back to Thornetta. <laughs> she, uh, she took you under, under her wing when you were like 18 years old. Yeah, man. So, all right. So I was going to those jams, like I said. It always sure. comes back to these jams, man. That's where, that's where musicians are born. Right. So um, it I was, you know, my mom was like, all right, well, you've been doing these jams and being very successful. And then, like, one of these um, one of these days, we got to go, like, downtown Detroit and check out Thornetta. And I was like, who is Thornetta? <laughs> and I don't know who that is. But is she great? Is she nice? I don't know. And, yes, she is great. And, yes, she is super nice. Um, so she took me down to see Thornetta. And this was at the music menu in downtown Detroit. Okay. And I remember I had a gig with Iwana at... Uh, fish bones where they had the waterfall and uh, I did that gig and then the next couple weeks or so my mom took me down to the music menu see Thornetta right on and um and immediately without even without a question my mom you know she's she talks to everybody and makes makes pals with everybody so she went up to Thornetta she's like we love you she used to watch her actually um in church she used to watch I think it was the church of today mm. I'm not sure what it was but um she so Thornetta and Kim Chemistry Kim, both used to sing in the same church. Wow! And um, and that's where she first discovered Thornetta, and then yeah. she found out that she had a you know a blues band too, and um and then she's like, oh well, my son plays blues and you sing blues, so yeah, this is great. And then she just wanted me to meet her, so I we she introduces me to Thornetta, and then we talk, and then she's like, well, do you want to come up and play? And I was like, oh wait, what what? <laughs> you want me to play? No, I don't. I'm not. I'm not. 
coming up there with you. She's like, nah, just come on and play. See, I got a hard time believing that. Man. I know in the Chris Canis that I know. Go, go on, go ahead. Shoot, man. I was like, <laughs> I'm not playing up there with y'all. But it's like, because a lot, a lot of times, to me, it's like I go to see other musicians. I don't expect to play. I just go to see other musicians. And I I can never get away with it. They're like, oh, no, you came, you're, you're playing. We're putting you to work like, right now. <laughs> so... Um, so I went and played, and I'll, I'll never forget, Brett Lucas was on freaking fire because he's always on freaking fire, and Chuck Bartels on freaking fire, Julian Van Slyke on freaking fire, and these were like the these were like gods to me. These guys were just the greatest ever, and, and, and they're super professional, super nice, and Brett let me play his guitar, and I was like, wow, you're letting me play your own old like 60 something gibson standard are you crazy like honey burst like no bro i'm not touching that i don't i don't i don't i'm not worthy of that yet so i played it anyway and it was great and yeah changed my life i was like all right this is this is solidified what i want to do for the rest of my life i want to play guitars and hang out with awesome people and talk to awesome people and give my emotions through music to everyone and hopefully somebody and like find happiness or closure or something out of it, something. Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about uh, your your stuff taking off and, and your star rising and mm-hmm. getting on your way. You know, you won the Ann Arbor Talent Show. Yeah. Uh, won the Cal- Kalamazoo Valley Blues Association Challenge. Yes, indeed. In 2010, winner of the Detroit Blues Challenge in 2012 and 2014. Mm-hmm. And you said you've been a semi-finalist several times right, at IBC? So, so with Memphis, it's, it's a little weird. So sure, sure. Memphis, you get down there, and then you have to play for, like, five days or whatever. So the first two days is, like, a quarterfinal or, or sub-final. They got so many different terms for their performances. I don't know. I can't keep track half the time. But we basically get to the end, almost got to the end, like the semifinals before the finals, every single year. And every single year... We were wiped out by the per- by the group that won the finals every single time. Wow. Where it started to feel a little weird to me. And my mom was like, what's going on? Why why are we always put with the winners this of close. the group? Yeah. This close every yeah. time. Yeah. Is it on purpose? We don't know. We were we were conspiracy theorists back then. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> so so finally, but now and me, I'm like, I don't need to do I don't want to do this anymore. It's like it's just let's just focus on what we want to do and not what everyone else wants us to do. Right. Like, let's just do that. So and I was like, all right, we'll do it one more time. And the one more time we did it, we um we won Detroit, but we were already scheduled to be in Florida. So my keyboard player at the time he had scheduled us. He was like, oh, we can just do the Florida Blues Challenge and, you know, we'll just do it as like a showcase just to, you know, show who we are down in Florida because he, he had a business up here and a house up here and in Florida. So long story short, we won both in the same year. And wow. I, being the person I am, is like, I don't know if this is legal, so let me call the president. So I called Joe Whitmer, um, the president at the time of the Blues Foundation. Right. And I was like, hey, um... Is this cool? Like we won two, so do do we? What do we do? Do we, do get we two just spots? represent two, or <laughs> like? Because I I would rather just give one of them away to the runner up, and you know I think that's fair. Right. That's what right. You, that's what you should do. He's like, well, this hasn't happened before. I was like, oh, sorry. So what do we? What do I do? And I was like, you know what? Never mind. I'll just I'll just give it to Florida because we won first in Detroit. 
And then Florida was mad at me for a minute and was like, why did you even bother? It's like, I didn't know I was going to win down here. So, oh, well. So we won. And then that year we went to the finals of Memphis. Wow. Yep. Good times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, and it has to feel good with, you know, the years that you've put into this. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're coming up on your 39th birthday here this yeah, year, correct? Man, yeah, And yeah. I'm not I'm not picking That's, on you because I'm, oh, hey. I'm a lot older than you, man. I'm, I don't mind. I've been an old man since <laughs> I was 12, man. I've you, been old for a well, long you got time. an old soul. There's a difference. That's right. There's That's a right. difference. But, you know, I, I got to talk about this. You're now known as a Chris Canis band. Mm-hmm. Uh, you used to be known as, and I'm, I'm, I got to read this from the paper because I'll never get it right if I don't. You want me to do it? You want me to do it? Sure. All right. The hyperdynamic Chris Canis Blues Revolution. That's what <laughs> we used to be. And then I shortened it to the Chris Canis Blues Revolution. And then I sh- it was C2BR, so Chris Canis BR. And then I was like, you know what? I don't need to BR. We'll just be Chris Canis Band. So like four iterations later, it was Chris and, Canis Band. And finally. you know the thing is, I, I mentioned this to you before we recorded that um, – the hyperdynamic blues revolution really mm-hmm. fits you because, um, it, it, and Amber so poignantly pointed out, there's there's a difference between the Chris Canis when he's not on stage and the Chris right. Canis when he's on stage. And I got to tell you, man, the thing that in, that that cranked me up when I first saw you down in Albion at the Brick Wall. Mm-hmm. You just came out of it, shot out of a cannon. <laughs> and it was that way for an hour and a half. Yeah, man, 90-minute sets. Dude. You didn't, yeah. yeah. Who does 90-minute sets? Um, I, okay, this is the reason. A lot of people, like, gripe on me about it. They're like, man, we need breaks and stuff. Like, people, <laughs> especially people that sit in. And I always find it funny when guys, like, they see they see the band and they're like, you know, you know, musicians are like, mm, I can do that. And, you know. And they see, okay, these guys aren't really doing much or whatever. And then they're like, hey, man, if you need a bass player, let me know. And I'm like, okay, bet. So whenever DC takes off, I call those people. And then they sit in, and they're like, I don't know how y'all do this. Like, what? Did you do this every time? Serious like, yeah, stamina. It's, yeah. it's every single, single show. And we do 90-minute sets, and I don't consider them, like, set one, set two, set three, like most people. Right. I, it's show one and show two. Right. So if you come in on the first at the beginning of the show, you get a full fledged roller coaster show. And then if you didn't, if you came in on like the second set, for instance, second show, it's completely it's the same. You get the same quality no matter what. Yeah. So like a lot of times you do one set and then you take a break and then you do another set and you take a break, you do another set. It's like you're just getting geared up. You're just getting to that point of of excitement and, and comfort and groove at that like hour mark but then most guys are taking a break right there where we push through it right and then you get these magical moments of of stamina and creativity and your mind is is i call it flow musical flow oh, You're absolutely. just flowing like kind of like when jordan like is is in the zone and a basketball player or somebody is in the zone yep. you can't stop them at that point yeah it's just you just let them go just like just move just let them score because we can't do anything you're on well, fire. And the thing that I liked about the the thing that I like about your musical style is you're not a quote unquote traditional blues musician. Right. However, you bring a lot of the traditional blues flavor to your music. Right. But yeah. then you've also got that on fire, almost like a blues rock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you've got the purists out there going, Well, you know, I don't I don't like Joe Bonamassa because he's not traditional blues. Yeah. I like 
Joe Bonamassa. I like Chris Canis mm-hmm. because of the fact that it's you you can bring the traditional blues, but then you can bring the other stuff too. Right. And and even when you do a cover, it's fun. Yeah. And, and it's high energy. And that's the thing. And and a lot of people think, oh, you got to stick to the stick to the tune. It's like, sure, maybe if you're playing a wedding, you can play it note for note as it's written. But music is there to interpret it. It's yep. not there for you to just copy it and and paste it somewhere else. Like, and that's when I pick songs, I pick them very strategically. It's like. I don't just pick something that everybody likes. Like I can play Bruno Mars all day. Like that's fine. We do we do play Bruno Mars. But it's like, am I connected to what he's saying though? Not really. But you know, like a BB King, nobody loves me but my mother, and she could be jiving too. Yeah, I connect to that a little bit more. You know, because right, I, it's it's happened. Maybe not not my mom. She would never she would never not not jive me or you know whatever. But. Um, but it's just you have to a lot of guys just stand up there and play and i prefer to dig deep into the song to get to the root of what the artist was actually feeling at the time right that's what i want people to do with my stuff like feel it for real go to a place that you went to and be there with me either in pain or in pleasure whatever it may be but feel something and and that's what i try to put into every show every note of every show you know, I, I'm going to talk about another artist for a minute. Yeah. Um, we got to see Jake Kershaw. Yeah, that's my buddy, man. Um, up in St. Louis here mm-hmm. just a few weeks ago. And I had never seen him. Okay. Um, much like you, I was turned on to his music by uh, by Roger Gentry. You know okay. Roger? I know Roger. Roger's, the one, Roger? That, Roger's <laughs> the one that turned me on to your music. Well, he turned me on to this guy. And I'm, I'm looking at this kid going... He's 22. Yeah. They what can all are. He, what can he do? And then I heard him do the Billy Mays. Billy Mays. Billy, I think it's Billy Mays. I think. Have Wait. you ever loved a woman? Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah, yeah, God. Yep. Yeah. That's a new one for him. He wasn't doing that before. I don't think. If you go to remember. go to Jake Kershaw's mm-hmm. website, mm-hmm. and if you're listening, you need to do this too. Scroll down, and there's three videos at the bottom. Yeah. And if I thought I could pull it up on my phone and run it through this right now and let you hear a little bit of it. Yeah. It is incredible. I mean, this kid was, he made you feel. And that's the one, one of the things that I've always been guilty of, if there's anything to be guilty of, is I have to feel the music. Mm -hmm. For me to get involved in it and enjoy it, I have to feel it. And that's what blues, blues speaks to me. Yeah, same. You know, I don't just hear it, I feel it. It, it. It resonates with me. And, um... So when I when I hear a kid 22 years old belting this thing out with everything in his in his soul, mm-hmm. I'm like, he needs to do what Toby Lee did. You know who Toby Lee I is? I know Toby. Yeah. Toby did that uh, album, Icons, mm-hmm. and it's I think 10 songs or 12 songs of their covers of people that inspired him through his journey. Right. And I'm like. That's what that kid needs to do. Because oh, he definitely does. I think I've, I've been listening and, and hanging with Jake for a minute now. He's, oh, man. He's definitely done that through his through his albums. Yeah, you he's... Can hear it. You yeah, can, oh, definitely. You can hear it, yeah. Definitely. And, he, and he's another one. He's not the stone traditional blues, but mm-hmm. when we went to see him up at the Gem Theater, he gave us a blues show to right. remember. And that's the thing is, like... I, I used to get this all the time. People always try to pigeon pigeonhole you or put you in a box mm-hmm. and try to define you. And, and they've been trying to do that for me for a long time. And it's like, you can't define me. Even B.B. King himself, his exact words, 
where I never planned on being just a blues musician. I just wanted to be a musician. And that's what we should focus on. It's not like, oh, well, you didn't play a, a one, four, five slow blues all night, so you're not a blues band. It's like, look, when I feel like playing a slow blues, a slow, greasy, gritty blues, yep. I can do it. Or if I want to play something funky, then I can do it. That's the thing. You have to be versatile and not just play one thing. Because no matter how much I love blues, and I'm going to tell you, I, I have every B.B. King album. I have every Freddie King album. I have every Albert Collins album, Luther Allison. I can name them all. Right, I can play right. them all. But at some point, I can't listen to it no more. It's like, all right, I'm done. All right. I have blues fatigue. I can't listen to it yeah, anymore. You gotta I got to listen to something, something else. else. I get it. And it's like, and, and I think that's what people That get doesn't make up. you a bad person. It doesn't make you a, a no, horrible blues no. man. It just makes you somebody who's got ear fatigue of hearing the same song all the time. It's over diversity. Over it's diversity. And, yeah. that's, and that's what makes blues... So great. It's diverse. You can have country blues. You can have ballroom blues. You can mm -hmm. have funky blues. You can have slow blues, ballad blues, church blues, all of it. It encompasses everything. And that's what I love most about it. And that's why I continue to, to preach it and, and push it as far as I can. Take him to the blues church, man. man. I heard I heard that live album. Taking him to church. Take him to church, man. <laughs> take me to, look. Hey, take me to church, DC. There you go, man. And DC hates it when I say, "Come on, DC," because he knows he's like, "Oh, he means jump." He mean he wants me to jump. That's why he's saying, "Come on, DC." <laughs> so I I gotta ask you and talk about your creative process when you're writing music. Is it lyrics first? Is it music? What? How do you start? What do you? What's your process? I, okay, I start with any and everything okay. it could be it could be the chug of like the wheels bouncing on the on the ground because where i live the roads are crap and you need to do better 69 but, over here between <laughs> here and flint baby i get it man you could and i hear music in everything if you ever see the movie august rush that that movie encompasses like my creative process it's like any little tap any little thing birds chirping ice cream truck going by which is the entertainer by the way Right on, nice, nice right point. on. And anything, a dog barking, everything is music to me. And I typically start with either a beat, a bass line, or I'll write something pretty on guitar, or I'll just have a straight-up emotion. And just like he sent it this way on purpose, a dog's barking in the background here. Boom. There. <laughs> now we got another song. We got another song to write right now. We're going to do it right now. And, and sometimes even I'll think of the title of the song first. Which, right is, which is a weird way to do it, I know, but, like, I'll think of, like, I'll have an emotion, and then I'll, or somebody will say something. Like, a friend of mine said, man, that's some dirty love right there. Boom. Now I have another song. I'm yeah. going to write a really nasty, greasy blues song that's kind of, kind of erotic about dirty love. Now that's a song on my backlog that I have but to it's record. There. Yeah. And it might be on the next album. I don't know. But that's a mother's cool. love will definitely be on the next album because that's the song about my mom. I am I am so looking forward to it, and we're gonna we're getting close to wrapping up here. Mm -hmm. You're almost 39, like I mentioned. Yeah, you've you've written over 150 songs. Right. Yeah. You've released seven albums. You've performed with the likes of Joe Bonamassa, Thornetta, uh, Eliza Neal's, Larry mm -hmm. McRae, and so many others. That's it's an incredible resume for a guy your age. It really yeah, is. Yeah. And I and I know you I know you understand that and you respect oh, for sure. that. For sure. Where do you go from here? What's 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 on the horizon, man? What's um, coming up? Going 
seeing the rest of, of our beautiful country that we have. I'm trying to go as far west as possible because I don't, I don't really push that way. I mean, we've been to New York and, and everywhere down south, but we haven't really been west too much, like California okay. area. Um, I have some friends in Sacramento. I might, if you hey look, look at my hat. Look at my hand. Through. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Sacramento yeah. Blue Society. That's it, man. The former president sent me that. Did he really? Yes, she did. Oh, she. She sent oh, that. Yeah, her name sorry. is Mary Lou, and Mary she'll be Lou. listening to this. Okay. She'll Hi, be Mary listening Lou. to this. So, Hi, Mary Lou. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, getting over there. Um, yeah. I mean, we've going getting back overseas, too, because um, that was, oh, man, that's a story in itself. I don't know if I have time, but um, long story short, I got to help my mom fulfill one of her biggest dreams, and traveling overseas to perform for the for the folks in Portugal wow. for the for the um Santa Fe Blues Festival like highlight of my life and to see her just beaming in the ocean with her toes in and blues everywhere can't I want it. you to re- to remember the next time we sit down mm-hmm. I want to hear this story I'm gonna tell at it to length you. seriously for sure my guest has been Chris Canis um Detroit's Prince of the Blues there's not a question about it uh, if you want to hear more from Chris I would strongly recommend that you check out his website, which is www.chriscannis.com or .net. It don't matter. We got both. And you can also download or buy CDs um, either way. Uh, of course, there's uh, there's swag. I'm wearing one of his shirts yes, today. Yeah, I got the hat on right, <laughs> right now, I think. <laughs> but, Chris, we want to thank you so much for being here and taking the time. Uh, Look forward to seeing you down the road. We're actually going to see you here, uh, what, I think it's next week over at Horrocks. Horrocks, yeah. yeah and looking looking forward to seeing a different version yeah. of Chris Canis on stage, but it's going to be fun. Acoustic style. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks we will talk me. to you soon. This has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive.